to TV Watch, a podcast from Digital TV Europe looking at the biggest news and trends in the world of broadcasting, streaming and everything else to do with the TV industry in Europe and further afield. I'm Jonathan Easton, Deputy Editor of Digital TV Europe and on today's show I speak with Justin Sampson, CEO of Barb, about the organisation's latest report on viewing habits in the UK and recorded decline in subscription services. According to the latest establishment survey from the Broadcasters Audience Research Board, or BARB for short, 19.19 million UK homes, that's 67% of households for those keeping track, had access to an SVOD service at the end of Q2 2022. Pretty impressive, but it's actually a decrease of 382,000, give or take, or almost 2% from 19.57 million in Q1 2022. Netflix, Prime Video and Sky's now all lost subscribers during the period, while Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus increased their subscriber bases. Taken in isolation, one might attribute this dip to the UK's ongoing cost of living crisis. After all, you'll probably be able to afford a house if you cut out Netflix and avocados, right? Joining me now to discuss the report, the shifting video consumption habits in the UK and how traditional broadcasters fit into this whole thing is Justin Sampson, CEO of Barb. To get us started, why don't you outline the key findings from the latest Barb establishment survey? The establishment survey we do on an ongoing basis. It's one of the largest um, sample studies in the UK to give us an idea of lots of different um, things to do with how people can uh, choose to watch their favourite programmes. And clearly in recent years, there's been a lot of interest in the, the data which show the growth of the, the SVOD services. And before we get to the latest quarter, it's worth sort of flagging up that whilst the establishment survey was disrupted during the pandemic because we couldn't go and interview people, we, we can clearly see now that we are interviewing people again, that the SVOD services are sort of ahead of where you would have expected them to be based on the growth rates they were getting before the pandemic. So there was a, a significant sort of a, a above historical trend growth for Netflix and, and Amazon Prime. Disney Plus obviously didn't have any pre-pandemic growth rates because it launched at, at the start of the pandemic. So the first thing to say, in the long run, um, the SVOD services are, are probably ahead of where you would think compared to pre-pandemic. However, there are signs that the growth is, um, and we saw in quarter two, um, some softening of of subscription levels. Um, I wouldn't say there was a massive decline, but there was a decline. And the question that we're still sort of looking to see the answer to is to what extent um, this is being caused by the cost of living crisis. We, we didn't, as some people saw, uh, see a decline in the first quarter uh, between January and March this year, um, which is a, that, that's a quarter when television viewing is normally quite high. And it wasn't until towards the end of that quarter that the big rise in um, energy prices really kicked in. But So, so the, the fact we started seeing some declines in quarter two is probably um, explanatory from that perspective. So, but we need to see how the cost of living crisis plays out. Um, there's two schools of thought. We're waiting to see which one comes out right. One is that actually um, eight, nine, ten pounds a month on an SVOD subscription is 
perhaps worth hanging on to when you can't afford as many nights out. Um, the other is that three or four lots of eight, nine, ten pounds a month is too many, and there may, may be some sort of pairing back on the, the services that the people have. So we, we need to see what happens and how that plays out. So yeah, I think it's um, it is very interesting, especially as the inclination is to attribute it all to cost of living crisis and increasing energy bills, as you say. But there are different elements at play as well, which I think are being kind of overlooked, such as the, you know, increasing proliferation of services. So, you know, compared with five, six years ago, when most households would maybe have one or two subscription services, they're now expected to have three, four, five. And maybe it's the cost of living or maybe it's just the you know having having had these things for a while people are starting to realize actually i don't need all of these things would you say that's fair i, I think there's truth in that um i heard somebody say the other day um, i think they were joking they said they'd finished netflix and i thought wow um but um I, yeah no, there's i think there is some element of a constant sort of assessing value for um money and when you've got three, four, five um, different subscriptions, then you are going to say, which one am I watching the most? I mean, as, as much as yes, what services would like to think they're getting a, a big amount of your time. We, we do know from our viewing data that SVOD services tend to do better at weekends. They tend to do better um, when, when people have more leisure time during the weekday. The broadcaster's um, share of viewing is, is stronger. Um, so it might be the coming home after a hard day at work, it's easy just to see what the broadcast have got in a linear schedule. So there is a limited amount of time that people will devote to spending and taking the time to choose something to watch on an SVOD service. And so it probably is quite challenging for them to feel they're doing justice to three, four, five services simultaneously. And and they, they will, if they feel they've finished Netflix, they might say, well, let's drop that and come back to it in three, four months time and see what new stuff they've got. And I'm not sure if you've got this kind of information, but something that I see a lot now is is kind of a pushback away from the Netflix binging model. It seems as though Netflix is the only one now where they will put an entire series up in one go versus Disney Plus, Amazon, uh, you know, further afield, uh, HBO, you know, now uh, in the UK, all of these kinds of services, Apple, they all put they're all week by week and it's going back to that kind of event TV viewing. Do you think that that has a, has a role as well? Yeah, yeah, no, we get lots of fascinating data from our panel. Um, this is not from the establishment server, this is from our panel of um, over 5,000 homes that represent the breadth of UK society. And we've been tracking viewing to SVOD shows for um, just under a year now. And we can see some really interesting differences between how audiences behave in response to different windowing strategies. So if you take um, a show I'm familiar with the figures earlier this year, Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, which was released on Netflix, um, we can see that the audience burned through it really, really quickly in, in a matter of most of them in four, five, six days. But there are other examples where um, people are responding well to the sort of the staggered releases. So actually, if you look at Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+, Plus, they generated very good audiences each week as they released new episodes. So and then we have seen some signs of Netflix starting to take a different approach. So Better Call Saul is being released an episode a week, uh, an episode each week. 
Stranger Things, they held back the last two episodes of the last season um, for about a month after, so you could get, get up to episode seven. But, and we can see from the data exactly how audiences are behaving. And it remains to be seen whether Netflix continues to take the view that everything will be bingeable. But, but what we're seeing with some of the broadcasters is that they're actually taking a hybrid approach so that the BBC does this a reasonable amount where they'll make the whole season available on iPlayer. They did it with conversations with friends. They did it earlier in the year with the tourists. And, and so you can if you want binge, but then you, if you prefer to watch on a scheduled basis, you can. And I think the evidence points to there being more people who like to wait rather than who, who like to binge quickly. I mean, I, I, I'm certainly of that opinion. You know, I, I'm at the moment, you know, watching things like House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. And I like that. Uh, I like the event viewing. I like the you know, you, you've got it comes out on a Friday or a Monday and then you've got the next week to kind of stew on it and what's happened. And Netflix kind of killed the cliffhanger, as it were, how everything's building up to the end of a season. <laughs> I, th- I, well, I think there's definitely there are definitely people out there who like who, who like to binge. I'm, I'm like you. I'm not one of them. Um, but for those people who like to do it, they've got the choice and they can go to a service that does major on that. So I, I think psychologically and also just from a time perspective, being able to sort of watch 13 episodes of an hour each in one sitting just can't do it yeah and especially uh certainly uh younger people uh i i I still include myself in that category uh you you feel like you really things like stranger things you almost feel like you need to watch it all or else everything's going to be spoiled for you on twitter and and other social media platforms so you kind of feel like you're being pressured into doing that binging but it'll be interesting to see how these things evolve and i've been reading reports recently that netflix is looking to move away from from that model not just in those kind of third party shows that it distributes internationally but in its own content so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. One other thing I wanted to discuss with you uh, in regards to this SVOD decline is whether you think that this will be curbed or um, what? basically what, what do you think will be, what will happen to consume habits when players like Netflix and Disney start to introduce these hybrid SVOD, AVOD models? Well, well, we'll find out soon. So we know, I think Netflix has said they're going to launch in the UK an ad-supported tier in November. From everything that I've read, they're taking a different approach to Disney. So Netflix is saying you can pay less and get ads, whereas Disney's saying um, you can pay more and not have ads. So um, there's going to be value judgments to be made all around. And just by, so I've got um, two 20-something uh, children and I sort of um, I don't know if you can call them children anymore when they're twenty something, but I sort of tested on them what they do. And they came up with completely different answers for different um, services. So I, I think it's not going to be a clear cut picture. So so we need to see to what extent people like uh, to to pay less and have ads. And I, I find it difficult to call on, on to what extent the ad supported tiers will become a big part of, of their proposition. So um, a braver person than me would make those predictions in detail. But I think we will see, and um, the great news is that Barb can track it. So we, we can see, and we will be uh, modifying the questions on our establishment survey to track whether people are subscribing to a, um, a package that has ads, 
we're fairly confident we should see through our panel data whether people are watching with ads or not. Um, so we will be able to provide evidence that that informs the market on that. Um, to, to, to what extent that's de designed to um, increase viewing time is an interesting thing. And number of subscriptions is obviously one metric, but I think probably what's more important is how long people spend viewing, and um, and again we we can see that data from from Barb, and so I'm sure that the SVOD services will be interested to see not only what it does to number of subscribers, but the amount of time people spend watching. Well, one other model which has been you know rapidly growing over the past 12, 18 months and certainly dominated the narrative at uh, IBC at the weekend is uh, the growth of free advertising supported television fast platforms like Samsung TV Plus, the Roku channel, Pluto TV, all these kinds of things which are maybe pre-installed into a smart TV or your streaming device and provide you with access to free on-demand content and free linear channels all with advertising. Is, is that something from your perspective that has grown a lot or is it something which is a thing for the future to track on? Uh, nascent is definitely the word. So we've, um, in all our panel homes we have a meter attached to the Wi-Fi router and so we can track when people are streaming content through particular URLs and most of the services you mentioned we are seeing data for and it, um, certainly compared to the big FVOD services and the linear broadcasters they've, they've got a long way to go to be, be able to talk about the size of audiences that we, we read about regularly for the linear broadcasters and we, we're starting to read a bit more about for the likes of uh, Disney Plus and Netflix. So I, I think nascent is definitely the word there. How quickly they grow, um, I, I mean, I think what, one of the challenges for any service, whether it's a fast channel or an FBOD or a linear broadcaster, is how are you helping viewers understand what you're showing and when they can watch it? I think because there are so many more models out there, the, the challenge of getting your content and uh, sort of marketing your content to viewers so that they can come to your channel and find what they want. I, I think I think it's a big challenge for all of these services, whether they're fast or SVOD or, or linear channels. And marketing is going to play a much more important part in the success of uh, these services in the future what content have you got which means i need to come and watch you and i suppose kind of combining all of that with all the things we've discussed the uh, impact of uh, the cost of living and, and and the proliferation of services to me the big winner out of this seems to be the established bvods i play a uh, services from itv channel four they've got the brand recognition they've got the content that people know and they're free they all seem to be growing and the operators are investing more heavily into them how, how are they performing by comparison to to these other aspects that we've talked about so we've got a new um definition of total viewing which we call total identified viewing and there's and there's three parts of total identified viewing you've got total viewing to broadcaster services which includes both the linear and their bvod services we have total viewing to SVOD, AVOD, and then total viewing to video sharing platforms. And so if you, to your question, total broadcaster viewing is, is just under 70%, 70% of the total. So it's by far the, the, the lion's share of, of viewing. 
and, and that's staying pretty stable. Um, the S4AVOD bucket and the video sharing bucket, about the same size, video sharing slightly larger. We're measuring this across all four screens and video sharing, as you won't be surprised to hear, does better on smartphones and tablets, whereas the TV set is still the go-to device for SVOD, AVOD and broadcaster services. So, so the broadcasters are still very much the majority of viewing whenever we produce, which we do each week, the top 50 shows. Um, occasionally you'll get a Disney Plus or a Netflix show in there, but there's it, most of the top 50 are from, from linear channels. One of the most watched things this year so far would have been the, the Euros final uh, earlier this summer. And I mean, we've got a big one coming up next week, uh, which will probably yeah. be one of the most watched broadcasts ever one has to imagine with the with the queen's funeral so you know all of this shows that while the uh fast is the is the hot topic of conversation at the moment and svod is is the is the big kind of holy grail of money traditional broadcasters still have a role to play in the uk for sure absolutely yeah i think they're um sort of got a very strong footing actually i'll tell you one little story which i think just brings to life um so one of the things that i think works really well in attracting viewers is um an actor that they really like and channel five's best performing show of the year back in february was when they had sheridan smith in a drama called teachers and and sheridan smith much loved actor does very well in dramas and on channel five they, they managed to get an audience of just short of five million for, for teachers which is one of their uh, I, I still think it might be their best rating show of the um the year and the reason for telling our stories as much as you can get content developed in america broadcast on this world service sometimes a drama with a really great local actor who's got good name recognition will will get audience figures which the SVOD shows would um be, be very happy with I mean, that, that five million is much bigger than a stranger's thing audience. So the last thing that I'll ask you here is, I know your your job is to look at the look at the figures from the past more than predict what's going to be happening in the future. But what what are your general feelings on on where the industry will be in eighteen months, twenty four months, once the you know the cost of living has set in and the likelihood of a recession and all these things. And how, how do you think, do, do you think we'll still be at that kind of 70% broadcaster place or will the percentages shift around? What, what do you think? Um, th- there might be some changes. But I, don't, I can't envisage anything particularly dramatic happen. I can't see in the next 18, 24 months, SVODs going from where they are now to double their share of viewing. I think that's probably um, unlikely. I, I think... I mean, traditionally, recessions tend to be a good thing for total viewing overall. If people can't afford to go out as much, they do tend to stay at home and maybe watch a bit more television. And if they are feeling the pinch and they've cut back on one or two SVOD services, that might drive a bit more viewing back to the broadcast channels, which, to your earlier point, are are free, um, free to air. Um, So I think, I mean, you might get some shifts this way and that way, but um, I I don't imagine anything particularly dramatic happening in the next 18 to 24 months in terms of how those three component parts of total identified viewing make up the, the whole. So that's the show. Thank you very much to Barb CEO Justin Sampson and to you for listening. 
TV Watch is written, produced and mixed by me, Jonathan Easton, and Digital TV Europe's editor is Stuart Thompson. You can find me on Twitter at EastJohnEast or get in touch with me via email at jonathan.easton at informer.com. You can follow Digital TV Europe at Digital TV Europe on Twitter and at digitaltvyeurope.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter that will keep you up to speed on all the latest goings on in the TV industry. And if you're new to the show and would like to be informed when the latest episodes are released, you can subscribe to TV Watch on your preferred podcast platform of choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts or whatever. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>